0: you when I saw the the title of our podcast because I have no idea what we're doing it on today I immediately went to like the Scrubs J.D. Turk like rendition of this song (laughs) made me really happy I was like that's the only rendition of the song I like because like I'm really not into Christmas music at all um Uh but I like the J.D. Turk version of it so (laughs) before we begin can I please check in with you as a person who's living in Shreveport are you okay (laughs)
1: Oh boy, yeah. This, uh, yeah. The, the reason I picked this topic, which is basically how mammals deal with cold, is yeah. because North Louisiana and technically most of Texas has just absolutely shut down in the last week. So, in our last episode, we were talking about the incoming snow um, because it was we were recording last Sunday on Valentine's Day, and mm. all of that came true <laughs> as it as happened. advertised. It happened. Yeah, and so we got a lot of snow. I stopped measuring after the first day because it... (laughs) Like, the first day we got, like, three and a half inches, and then I stopped measuring because it kept freezing rain and sleet and snow, and, like, it would melt a little and then re-snow. Anyway, it's been an absolute mess. I, you know, Danny was... Off of work, I was had to work from home. I was finally able to get up to the school on Friday, absolutely sure that all of my experiments were going to be dead. Um, but surprisingly they're still alive. The one good time. It's good to have a slow growing cell line, but I wouldn't have been yeah, able yeah. to make it myself. I mean, it was, it was Friday. It, it, this has been going on literally all week and we were only able to get there because Danny has an actual truck and we had to stop a couple times and like help push other people out of the snow. And it was, uh, it's something. So, yeah. So at least, I've had power. Uh, we had the power blink a couple times, but, you know, most of Texas has been without power, and a good chunk of Louisiana has been without power. Um, but the big problem here has been water. And so we haven't had water pressure in since since I talked to you last, basically. I know I look a mess because I've had good one Lord. entire, I've had like one sponge bath since I talked to you last that i would had to take <sighs> out of my chili pot <laughs> and it was really sad i saw but- those pictures oh my god yes
0: erica but yeah
1: it's been i mean as far as like it only being water that's fine the, the fact that there is snow means you can go outside and get some snow and boil it and have drinking water and that's great but uh <laughs> it's been of an adventure for sure
0: Well, see, and I also want to jump in too, and just for any Northern listeners that we might have listening, um, I know that for a lot of y'all, you know, three to four inches of snow isn't a big deal, but here down South, we have no services to deal with this. We don't have snow plows. We don't have people that salt the roads. Our houses are built to like make us cooler. We have the big bay windows. Like, you know, we have ways to like get our houses cooler. We don't have great insulation for heat. Yeah. Um, and we, de- our services down here definitely aren't set up to deal with the cold. You know, that's why yep. Erica doesn't have water. That's why I know a lot of Texas doesn't have power. Like none of these companies are set up to deal with snow because yep. it just doesn't happen down here. So the whole, I would the offer whole for you of to come down where- to New Orleans.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I think the roads are finally open. My parents kept inviting me to stay with them, but they were also without power and water. And for a long time, the roads were impassable. I-20 was closed. so um,
0: They shut down the interstate?
1: Yeah. I guess they had to. Yeah, the bridges. Yeah. Yeah, 49 closed immediately. I-20 closed a little later. um, But yeah it's been completely closed i mean there's yeah it's like you said the overpasses you just can't do anything with that um Mm -mm. and underpasses (laughs) because the underpass is where it doesn't get any sunshine and so that's where the ice actually stays longer i learned on Mm -hmm. friday um (laughs) there you go but the whole city of shreveport has actually been without water since tuesday maybe monday um and it's just because like the pipes and stuff they aren't like we don't have a natural frost line really i guess because it doesn't freeze very much and so all everything's really ever. shallow and yeah. yeah do they have any like eta no no i've been watching the mayor's facebook page cuz he posts pretty regularly about updates and stuff and the last update was that people should start to get water back by friday and today's sunday and we've got a sunday. little bit a little bit of water pressure but it's like not all the better enough. or anything it's enough that we felt safe turning our water heater back on so okay but the problem is is that until it gets back to full pressure meaning all of the water mains that broke are fixed then we're still going to be under a boil advisory because they can't guarantee that it's not contaminated water with e coli or amoebas or god knows what until like the system it's a closed system through a filtration Mm -hmm. plant you know so we're still going to be under a boil advisory after that
0: Well, see, and that's pretty common in New Orleans, and I'll tell you, there's nothing more annoying than having to boil absolutely everything you use, because you're not even really supposed to shower with it. Right. You know, especially with, like, the brain-eating amoebas that we're known for. Like I said, I'd invite you down here, but we had three shootings in my neighborhood yesterday, so (laughs) I feel like, you know, your options are freeze or get shot in New Orleans, so. Both are killing people. Well, that's the thing, too. You know, I was watching the news, and it's like, people are actually freezing to death, and I feel like that's finally starting to get people's attention. It's like, we're not set up for this. I don't own a coat. Yeah. Like that is I know that's baffling for a lot of people, but I was posting that on social media. I was like, I own decorative shawls and like two or three scarves that have glitter on them, because (laughs) even in the dead of winter here in New Orleans, it rarely gets below 50 degrees. Yeah. You know, I mean, two years ago, the pipes burst under my house because I didn't know I was supposed to drip water. That's just not something that like we do down here. And that was like the two days in New Orleans where it hit like 30 four or something (laughs) and like things froze (laughs) right but like what were y'all y'all were in the single digits weren't you
1: uh single digits here were at my apartment i think we got down to three um up at the farm sanity Danny's farm is they got to negative one i think was the lowest i saw Um, so they had actual literal negatives in louisiana it's has that ever happened I think so. I don't think it was an all-time record low, but it was an all-time record of the most consecutive hours without being above freezing. So we do have a new like historical record for like having 177 Mm. hours below freezing or something like that. I forget the exact number, but yeah, it's been an adventure. And and actually, so where I work is a school slash hospital. They've been without water also. So they've had fire trucks and national guard tanker trucks bringing water to the hospital, but mm-hmm. because the water's out, uh, I'm technically not supposed to go back to work until they fix the water for safety reasons and bathroom reasons. So. Yeah. That's just wild. I mean, that it's just, you
0: know, I'm so sorry, you know, you're going through that. Like I have some friends in Texas, like, you know, Fergie's in Texas. She's, mm-hmm. uh, she's in Houston and Houston is not handling this well at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, Dallas isn't handling this great. Um, you know, those major metropolitan areas. And of course, I, you know, I was worried about you in Treefort because I knew that they were getting completely tanked too. And it's just like, you know, I tried to explain this to people. We're not set up for this. Like hurricanes, yep. sure. We've got that. That's fine. Like we know how to handle a hurricane. We know how to handle hot weather. Like hundred degree weather, I don't blink at that. I, That's not a big deal. I just wear more tank tops. You know, and put on sunscreen on my shoulders and face before I go outside. But it's like we're not set up to deal with cold. And honestly, I kind of feel as a species when I am set up for cold. Like I just want to point out, <laughs> I have no fur. Observe, yeah. I have like hair, and that's it. Like, look at me in the camera. Like you see the lack yep. of hair on. I don't even grow arm hair. <laughs> I'm like, Lucky. I really feel like my people are from the equator. Like, okay, <laughs> I don't grow arm hair. Like, look at that. We are naked yeah. mole rats. <laughs>
1: we're set up for hot weather. We are hot weather creatures. Yep, definitely. So that's what I wanted to go over is how, since we're not really set up for it, how do we deal with the cold? As so many we don't. people have had to do this last week as power yeah. and heaters have
0: gone out. Yeah, I know. I think this is a great topic. So is this <laughs> going to be science or is this more going to be like preventative or is it going to be both?
1: Uh, we're only just in more science. So how we stay warm. The sum up is I wanted to talk about basically like how shivering works, what that does for you, like how humans, are, how our bodies are designed to stay warm. And then more, if you don't have the luxury of living inside, how do you stay warm and basically how hibernation works and as an extension, how torpor works, which is an abbreviated form of hibernation that we'll talk about that often gets confused with hibernation. Anyway, so that's just, I wanted to talk about that kind of stuff. In honor of the incredibly cold weather. Let's do it. I think that sounds great. Let's go. The rare snow. I mean, there's still snow outside. Like, it hasn't been below freezing in a day, and it hasn't all melted yet. So. What? Yeah. Okay, well, we're 60 down here, so hopefully we are eventually going to start getting
0: some normal Louisiana winter. (gasps) There's white on your ground. Yes. Oh, Erica.
1: It's not much. I mean, it's not much, because literally, that's been melting for a couple days, but i'm Ooh. telling you if you want to come to new orleans let's see if you can see we didn't get the snow other... okay look you can see the that other people's room i can they're snowing that is wildness Sorry, i can't believe that's my
0: town. louisiana yeah <laughs> oh my god that's wild no i'm, I'm just not waving fan. my do not webcam not like. around <laughs> yeah do not like i'm not into it okay go what we yeah. got <laughs> it's cold oh yes and I hate cold weather. Like I know, it is my least favorite. Same. I would rather it be 115 outside and start melting. You know, I want the heat advisory to be so high.
1: Oh, yeah. Seriously, seriously. I'd rather I'd rather be melting and sweating. And I, when I'm cold, I just want to like punch people in the throat. I'm not a happy cold person at all.
0: <laughs> Me either. It's not my thing. Do not like. Nope. And I'm blessed and fortunate enough to like have like somewhere I can run away to, like my house. Yeah, and my heater still works. That was baffling too. People's electricity got cut off, and I'm like, you do realize, like, our houses we can't stay warm.
1: What the heck? So yeah, I anyway, know. Continue. I kept I'm seeing sorry. all these. I kept seeing all these really sad stories about like family has to burn the their baby's toy blocks to make heat to fuel their generator for their baby's oxygen tanks, and it was like these horrible stories. And we're like, it's 2021.
0: Uh, what is happening?
1: I know it was wild. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. It's ridiculous. I've... Crazy.
0: No, it's true. It's nuts. Like people actually froze to death and it's like, yeah, it's ridiculous. But I feel like things like that had to happen for people to take it seriously because there were so many jokes flying around social media for so long about, Oh, the South can't deal with cold. It's like the South is not set up for cold.
1: Yeah. If we, we literally dropped didn't a cane
0: in the middle of the Midwest, they wouldn't do so hot either. Okay. Yeah. Like y'all don't know how to deal with flooding. We're great at flooding. right I'm great at flooding I have like I know how to get on my roof and everything like I'm good at
1: that I got my house ready my house is on stilts yep (laughs) yep anyway so I'll stop griping about the cold but anyway so as 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 humans the most (laughs) we can do really is shivering and yes you get cold you get all tensed up and your muscles are technically firing so the reason that they are all tense you're all tense when you shiver is your muscles firing a lot and so Basically your response to cold in the short term has two parts. So you basically the smooth muscle part and the skeletal muscle part. So and both of these are controlled by your hypothalamus, which is a little part of your brain that's like right in the back above your brainstem. I've seen that. Yeah. I've seen that. Yeah. So it releases a lot of hormones that do different things throughout your body, but for the purposes of staying warm, it's your posterior hypothalamus that's functional in responding to cold. So the first thing that happens is with your smooth muscle is a lot of vasoconstriction. So your blood vessels that are especially on the surface of your body will constrict. And the purpose of that is so that you don't lose as much heat through your skin. And that can result in you like getting kind of pale. And that's why your extremities start to like, you know, tingle because you and you lose feeling is that you don't have external blood flow because you need all of that blood to stay in your core and keep all of your organs warm because that's way more important. And you don't need that blood getting cold at the surface of your body and then bringing that cold into your core so it's just better just to really reduce the amount of time that that blood is exposed to the surface and so it can retain all of its heat
0: is that why when you uh when you see people who have been like victims like frostbite or been on cold for a very long time it's always fingertips and toes that go first yep
1: because those are the that your body decides are extraneous. Like we would like those if possible, but if it comes to that or your like heart and your internal organs, then heart takes priority. Got it. Yep. Okay. And then actually goosebumps kind of serve a similar purpose in that by increasing that surface area of skin, not of blood vessels, but just of the skin and, and hair is trying to trap the warm air right next to your skin. Obviously clothes do this better. But yes. goosebumps and hair will work in a pinch. Mm-hmm. So that's what, like your smooth muscle does, but your skeletal muscle is responsible for what we call shivering. And that's just basically repeated contractions of the skeletal muscle, and the purpose is that those contractions require energy, and whenever you cleave an energy molecule, an ATP molecule, energy is released. Um, it's called an exothermic reaction, which means energy is released as heat. And so, burning energy, just spending energy for heat, is worth it in that context. And so, unfortunately, it does take a lot of energy to shiver and. So you have to have the the fuel stores for being cold. And so shivering is not necessarily the most efficient way to produce that heat through the use of energy. There's a slightly more efficient version that will still keep you warm. And that is called non-shivering thermogenesis. That's one of those phrases that has always stuck with me. Non-shivering thermogenesis. Yes. It's just one of those phrases that you kind of remember. I don't know, but it is also called hormonal thermogenesis or diet induced thermogenesis. It's heat that can be released as a consequence of releasing hormones or happens when you eat. So the way that that works, like I said, it's more efficient than just shivering for energy, but it involves brown fat, brown adipose tissue. I didn't know I had brown fat. Well, see, that's the thing. People have different levels of brown fat. Uh, You can build it up like as you acclimatize to a cold environment, there are certain hormones in your body that are released by being cold that will induce the transformation or like browning of white adipose tissue into brown adipose tissue, but everyone has brown adipose tissue when they're babies. So like babies to six months, that's the whole way that babies thermoregulate themselves is through the use of brown adipose tissue. But
0: say you live in a warm, very hot climate for an extended period of time. Um, So I'm assuming I don't have a lot of brown adipose tissue.
1: Probably not. This is something that your body can build up in response to cold. And a lot of adults just don't otherwise have it. So Wow. Okay. So the cool thing about brown, brown adipose tissue, and like I said, y- your white adipose tissue can be induced to transform into this type of tissue is that it contains a, a few specialized pieces that will help it generate energy or sorry, use energy to generate heat um, just kind of as a background way of generating a lot of heat. So, again it's brown the same way we talked about dark meat because it has a lot of mitochondria in it so more mitochondria right they need more iron for the oxygen yeah yeah so the brown adipose tissue also have a lot of mitochondria in them that's why they're brown so the the way that that works is the reason the way that the mitochondria help you generate heat because normally mitochondria are for making energy not for spending energy they're for generating atp but the way that it works in this particular cell type is that they get signals from outside of your body. They have some receptors on their cell surface that are triggered by norepinephrine or noradrenaline, depending on which way you learned to call it. And those start a signaling cascade that activates adenyl cyclase, generates cyclic AMP, things like that. That's a very normal signaling cascade inside your cell. But the end result is that it converts triglycerides into fatty acids, single fatty acids, that those are then metabolized by your mitochondria because that's something that your mitochondria can also do. It's called beta oxidation and it metabolizes fat in addition to say metabolizing sugar that we've talked about before. Mm -hmm. So that's how you can use both for energy. Okay. So using this fat, these triglycerides that are converted to fatty acids, they start being processed like we've talked in the past about sugar being processed. They are used to generate reducing equivalents and then. Basically, your mitochondria build up builds up this proton gradient that usually would drive a little proton pump inside of your cell in your side of your inner mitochondrial membrane, and that usually generates energy. So we've talked about before how your mitochondria have this outside membrane and then an inside membrane, and the space in between those fills up with protons. And then as the protons go through the little motor that's designed to smoosh ADP and phosphate together to make ATP. And that's how your mitochondria are the powerhouse of your cell. And they make energy that yeah. way. They literally make energy. Yeah. Yeah. So that process is driven by all the protons you accumulated in that intermembrane space going through this little motor protein. Now with the brown adipose tissue, they have an extra protein that's called an uncoupling protein. And it makes it where you can get all those that protons. <laughs> well it uncouples that proton flux from the generation of energy so you're no longer having to generate energy because that that's an endothermic reaction i guess if if breaking atp releases heat then it actually takes heat putting it together to put is endo together. means inside exo yes. means express getting out i yes. remember that from like high school chemistry 101 <laughs> all right <laughs> So you don't want to be making the new ATP because that's, that's not your goal right now. Your goal is just staying warm. And so what they have is this uncoupling protein, and it also is in the inner mitochondrial membrane and lets the protons go through it. But instead of turning a pump, it just lets the protons flow right through. And that allows for the generation of heat energy from all of the previous reactions that involved the cleavage of atp and then the passing of this proton through the uncoupling protein that all gives off heat those are all exothermic reactions and so energetically this is a real this is a real energy sink you're not doing anything with that energy as far as like making proteins or you know metabolizing stuff inside your cells you're just yeah, but it's also keeping heat. you alive Right. And yeah. this moment, that's more important. And you think most right. of the time, you know, your human, the human body is all about like finding an efficient way to generate energy, to do cellular processes. But for right now, that's taking a back seat. <laughs> this is like taking the safety measures off. It's just like all hands on deck, fix the problem. Yeah. Then
0: we'll go back to trying to be efficient. Exactly. That's actually really fascinating that our bodies just kick into that. Is there like a certain point where we realize we need to activate that because like right now it's 60 degrees outside and I am wallowing Hmm. in self-pity about how cold I am, (laughs) but I'm assuming my body is not going to be like, Oh my God, all hands on deck. Let's go. Like, is there like
1: a certain moment or something that happens to trigger? Okay guys, this is serious. Well, I think it's different for different people as far as at what point you start to, to shiver or trigger this reaction. So like I said, this reaction doesn't happen in a lot of adult humans until after they are used to being in a cold environment. And so generally shivering will re- cause the release of a hormone called irisin or irisin or I'm not sure how to pronounce it. It's I-R-S-I-N. When it's released during the skeletal muscle generated shivering, it can cause some of your white fat cells to start acting like brown fat cells. And so they will express the uncoupling protein. And then later they'll be able to do this non-shivering thermogenesis, but that takes time. And is based on how long you were at your own shivering point because different people reach Mm -hmm. that point differently i mean i shiver when it's 74 degrees outside because like right. cold so kind of what i'm asking so and, and that makes sense because i'm the same way
0: like you know once again born and raised in louisiana if it gets below 80 we're all kind of complaining a little bit i'm wearing a sweatshirt if it's below 80 <laughs> yeah so kind of what i'm asking and kind of what i'm looking at is like You know, I know that our bodies are incredibly good at keeping us alive. Like that's their that's their biggest job. They have a lot of little jobs, but their overall job is don't let this meat suit die, right? Yep. So you know, let's say I do for some crazy. Okay, let's say that my power went out today and I'm stuck in my house like you are, and I don't have water and I don't have energy, and Mm -hmm. no helps coming, and it's dropping into freezing. Like Mm. you're saying, I wouldn't be able to go into
1: this non thermogenic. Non-shivering thermogenesis. Yeah, non-shivering. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you would have time. Just like as your power drops now, I don't mm-hmm. think your body would have time to shift to doing this. You'd probably stick with shivering. Now, I'm not a hundred percent on that. It's probably not something that's been super super ethical to research. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, but they. I have seen. You know, they've done small studies of saying like, "Well, if you submerge someone." in a bath and you take it from like 80 degrees down to 65 degrees and once people start shivering they start releasing this ericin hormone but i haven't seen any studies where they do that in humans long term enough to see if they can generate a conversion to brown Mm -hmm. adipose tissue but that may be out there i just didn't see it when i was researching the episode right but yeah okay yeah so so short term Probably not great. If you lived in Wisconsin or something and you were used to this, you might be able to not shiver when it's fifty degrees outside because you're used to it and store energy. Your body has other ways. Yeah, your body has other ways of staying warm in that time.
0: So that's another reason. Just down here, we're just not handling the cold as well.
1: Yeah, we haven't had time to
0: prepare for it. Essentially, right? I mean, like not just so societally, like physically, our bodies Mm -hmm. have not had to prepare for this. Exactly. Okay, so we're using shivering and shivering's a lot less efficient exactly and you can't yes. do it for very long like you know like i'm sitting here clenching my and granted i worked out yesterday but i'm clenching my muscles and it's really <laughs> painful and i don't want to do it anymore right you get tired you know, see i mean shivering's miserable it's a miserable yes. thing you're reaching for blankets anything to make it stop yep yeah yeah
1: and and like i said i mean the concept of efficiency may not be the priority because I mean, shivering does take more energy to keep you warm. And also, yes, you're using all of your muscles and everything. Using your muscles like physically uses a lot of ATP. So that's, I mean, Mm -hmm. working out does burn calories for real. (laughs) And shivering is a short-term version of that. And actually that was what one of the studies I saw kind of concluded. They were talking about the release of the ericin hormone and some others. Fibroblast Growth Factor 21, I think, that are released. Fibroblast upon... Growth Factor 21. F- fibroblast, <gasps> not fibroblast. Wow. Oh,
0: okay. That, well, that's... Fibroblast? That's
1: still super funny for a name. Okay, I like it. I'm here for it. I'm here for fibroblast. <laughs> but the those are the hormones that shivering releases to brownify slash beigeify your white adipose tissue. And People have always wondered why those are released upon exercise, because it's like when you exercise, the irisin is released and you're like, well, why would you want your brown adipose tissue to be releasing a lot of heat whenever you're trying to exercise, you know, you need to be building up proteins as a consequence of, you know, the muscle damage, things like that. And kind of the conclusion from that paper was, it's probably just an accident that, you know, shivering is meant to induce that release. And so if you're using your muscles, like you do when you're shivering, that if you're using your muscles a lot, then your body just thinks that maybe you're cold and it triggers the rice and release just like it would if you were shivering. So it's kind of an accident is what their conclusion was.
0: I mean, it's super interesting. Like I would have said it had something to do with like keeping yourself safe. Yeah. Um, Like I know if you try to like lift on cold muscles, you are flirting with danger, my friend. That's a good (laughs) You are asking for trouble. Whereas like if you have nice, warm, loose muscles, you are less likely to like rip something out from where it's not supposed to be. Yeah. But yeah, okay. So that's interesting. So like a weird side effect of working out is you re- you like release brown adipose tissue.
1: Yeah, you you burn more incidental calories of just your that futile cycling. And also another thing that your body will do to keep warm is is basically just doing a lot of useless chemical reactions where it turns basically a few compounds back and forth into each other. And as long as at least one of those directions requires energy, then it'll just do it just to release the energy of cleaving ATP. So so this is your body's version of like stepping back and forth in place when you're cold. Exactly. Okay. Very much so. <laughs> so <yes. laughs> Way to go, body. Good job. Yeah. It's, it's just the cellular equivalent of just jumping up and down. And doing jumping jacks to keep yourself warm, it, yeah, so it'll I take here for it. I like, and that. it's it's theoretically a process that your body can do to kind of maintain a a balanced pool of metabolites. So like the reason that your body can kind of turn these chemicals, you know, back and forth into each other because sometimes your body needs more of one than the other, and you need to keep your stores balanced. But if you're cold, it will just like turn on those cycles and just just spin your wheels, basically. <laughs> gotcha
0: <laughs> interesting
1: so yeah that's a that's a thing so that's what we humans have the capability to do obviously there are animals that have to be outside longer have fur and do have fur so they have they have better insulation Look at the lack yes. of fur do you see this yes.
0: smooth arms observe <laughs> no fur
1: yeah I want that's fur. what my cat keeps trying to want to go outside and explore the cold. Like every morning she wants to go outside and try to drink from the flower pots outside or whatever. And I'm like, I don't want to keep the door open. You're wearing a fur coat. You don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) You're wearing a fur coat and you have eaten a lot more food than me. So you are fluffy.
0: Yes. You have like
1: happy layers of fat to keep you happy. She has very many layers, all of the layers, enough layers that the vet is not happy.
0: (laughs) Oh man. All of the layers. Okay. Got you. So continue. So I know hibernation's a thing and I know that blubber's yes. a thing and I know that fur is a thing. Yes. Right. Yes. Like I, I know that it's like not a thing to like have like body hair, but I don't grow body hair. Like not really like with my patchy right. eyebrows and like I have no arm until you're cold. <laughs> then it's not cool at all like people are like i don't shave my legs during the winter i'm like must be nice i have patchy leg fur so <laughs> weird i don't have that <laughs> option you guys suck My uh, legs are cold all the time i'm telling you my people are from the equator i have to figure out where yeah. my people are from but continue. <laughs> but those are the only ones I know. I know blubber, I know fur, and I know hibernation. And I cannot begin to tell you how they work except for fur.
1: <laughs> right. Fur is kind of self-explanatory. Blubber is also, I think, fairly self-explanatory. It is an insulating layer. And it is fat. I don't but know there's if a it's difference. a white adipose or a brown adipose. I could look that up real quick.
0: Yeah, let's look that up real quick.
1: Is blubber. That's why we have handy-dandy Google machines. If you just type in, is blubber, is blubber a lipid? Is blubber fat? Is blubber fam- flammable? Is blubber is edible? blubber. Is blubber a physiological adaptation? <laughs> this is not helping. Is blubber brown or white adipose? Tissue? Yeah, I know. Let's see. It says in the deepest blubber layer, brown adipose tissue was found recently in twenty fifteen. Ace. Oh, I hate these pages. Glover is a specialized subcutaneous layer of fat found only in marine mammals that is different from other types of adipose tissue and that is anatomically and biochemically adapted to serve as an efficient and adjustable thermal insulator. So it sounds like it is largely for insulation purposes and not for say brown fat purposes of generating heat itself. Although in 2015, they did discover that it has some brown apples. Got you. Okay, fantastic. Like the innermost layer of blubber could also generate its own heat. But the brief summary of blubber seems to say that it is mostly just an insulator. Yeah, it's just a big fat coat. Okay, so it, it works its own special little way. Everyone needs a big fat coat. Super useful in the freezing cold. Big fat coats are super useful in the freezing cold. Yes. Okay. So, but the, the one I wanted to talk about mostly was hibernation. Oh yeah. God, I wish I could do that. (laughs) Just go to sleep during cold months. Yeah. So a few things humans, unfortunately can't, uh, we don't have the programming to do so. Like our bodies don't know how. Also the comment that it's going to sleep for a couple months. So sleep is really just a mental change. It's a change in awareness and conscious states. It's not a physical change very much. Like, I mean, you, you get cold, it will trigger you to go to sleep. If your blood sugar drops, it can trigger you to go to sleep, things like that. But physically, sleeping is not that different than being awake. Hibernation is very different from being awake. So true hibernation is an incredibly intense physiological process. A lot of animals don't fully hibernate. They do what you, is called torpor. And torpor is a state of intensely reduced activity, and it can last from, say, a couple hours every day to 100 days in a row, which is what bears do. So bears don't technically hibernate. Oh. And the reason that bears don't hibernate is actually they're too big to lose the amount of body heat required to shut down all their metabolic processes, So the process of hibernating actually involves becoming incredibly cold. Like you actually just give up trying to keep warm, basically, and let your body go completely cold. The coldest that I think was measured was that there's actually some animals where their core body temperature will go below freezing to like negative three Celsius or something. But they actually have either saline solutions in their body fluids or they'll have like literal antifreeze compounds. I think for some frogs, they have literal antifreeze blood <laughs> so that their blood doesn't freeze solid in Man frogs are cold. scary. It's it's very intense.
0: <laughs> Is this like the water bears and stuff that you find have been like frozen for like
1: hundreds of years and you defreeze them and they're like, "Hey guys, what's up?" Tardigrades are super cool. They're very very tiny. So I don't I assume, I mean, what they were doing would probably count as real hibernation, but they're so small. I honestly don't know if that counts as hibernation or if that counts as like <laughs> You're too whatever. Small, too big to be too. the Goldilocks. I mean, it's probably hibernation, but I, I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah. Obviously, there are a lot of physiological changes that are involved with torpor, and now torpor, like I said, can be anywhere from a few hours to a hundred days, and you can wake up out of torpor. You can also wake up out of some hibernation like there's like really deep hibernation and then there's like shallow hibernation where you do wake up to mm-hmm. eat occasionally but with torpor that you do actually wake up to eat occasionally a lot of animals are adapted to where they can they're not so deep in a coma that they can't wake up to eat okay there's kind of conflicting information about ly- uh, online about like with bears So it's kind of agreed like bears don't eat, they don't use the bathroom, like they they start some processes in their body that recycle their urine, they recycle the nitrogen from the urea and use it to make more proteins and stuff. That's efficient. Yes. There's conflicting information online about whether or not they give birth while they're in torpor or whether they wake up to give birth and then immediately go back to torpor. What does the baby do? I guess figure out how to nurse, I guess. <laughs> so you better learn
0: today. You're an Good adult. Luck. Figure it out. Good luck, baby bear. Yep. Oh, that's fascinating. Okay.
1: Yeah. Either either way, like the mama bear is going to spend a lot of time that her newborns are present in torpor. And she's definitely not eating at all. And so, she, mama bears lose an incredible amount of weight over the winter. And to hibernate, you generally do use brown adipose tissue that you build up over the course of the preceding time, the fall, as you just like stuff yourself and build up all of the, like the brown adipose tissue has a lot of lipid droplets in it. And so if you build up that fat, then you can run the brown adipose tissue without having to like worry about your muscles shivering for six months straight. So the the brown adipose tissue is, is crucial to being able to hibernate or do long periods of torpor, but- it does result in a lot of body mass lost during the winter. Which makes sense. Yeah. Like bears are
0: scrawny when they wake up from hibernation
1: or yeah. torpor. They're yes. scrawny. Yeah. and Have you seen, there's there's one of the national parks that every fall does a, like a fat bear competition. <laughs> so they'd like take pictures of all the bears in their wildlife park and see which ones are the, the chonkiest before winter. <laughs> they get some healthy bears sleep. yeah and then they go to sleep and wake up all thin. Be bears i mean if i could go be to healthy sleep bears and wake up all thin then i'd be for it
0: <laughs> sign me up man sign me up i'm here for it show me how to torpor yeah. how do humans learn how to do this
1: <laughs> how do we learn this skill when you go train under bears for a few years <laughs> yes the bear diet <laughs> which means eat everything and then sleep for 100 days which i'm for it i mean i'm here for it yes So the process of torporing, I guess, generally involves going down to about a 35% base metabolic rate. You're shutting down all of the processes that your body is doing, but not to the extreme that hibernation is. And, And there's a lot of studies on this. So with BEARS, they've done studies of like, you know, how are your cells accomplishing these changes? And they found like a list of differentially expressed genes that are, you know, different between when they're active and awake and when they're in torpor, things like that. But hibernation is so much more extreme. So with hibernation, you can actually go down as low as 1% of your normal metabolic rate you're shutting down your whole body. The average, I think, is 6% for animals that do true hibernation. You're just shutting down all your body processes. The one I've seen referenced on several sites was chipmunks. There seems to be some discrepancy about how much their actual like, active heart rate is. It's anywhere from like 180, 200 beats per minute up to like 350 beats per minute. So I've seen those numbers. But everyone does seem to agree that whenever they're hibernating, it goes down to four beats per minute which is wild. And also, I think so the hi- the chipmunks and other like ground squirrels, they will go to breathing like once every several hours? And then some animals actually just stop breathing. So, on average, they your breathing rate. Can you do that? Yeah, you can actually. I didn't think breathing was optional. If you're hibernating, if you're only down to 1% of your base mod- metabolic rate, I mean, you only need that oxygen in order to be able to produce energy and keep yourself alive, but you're not doing anything with energy now. God, I did not think that was an optional thing. Yeah, it's not a normal thing. <laughs> so, breathing's apparently a choice is apparently a choice for some animals. Yes. Okay, fair enough. Breathing, breathing's one what? of those weird things what? where it's a choice. Sometimes you can do it consciously and unconsciously, and I know that weirds some people out. Is that you know if you if you talk to someone about their breathing, then suddenly you're doing it consciously. But as soon as you forget, then your body doesn't. It'll, it'll, it got you. So <laughs> your brain's on, your brain's on a fail safe. It's like you're an idiot here. I'm gonna make yeah. sure we do this thing. You can't be. You cannot be trusted. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Okay. But yeah, I saw that generally breathing is reduced to either 50% of its normal rate or to nothing. Like there's some animals they'll just sit like just good luck with the oxygen that's already in your blood. And then the cellular changes that take place are very interesting as far as like, how do you reduce this metabolic rate? And it's things like all protein synthesis just shuts down because the little cellular machines in your cells that would make the proteins like generally they're made up of two parts that have to come together and then run the RNA through them those are just stored in separate places so it's like you just store those in different compartments so you can't even put them together and accidentally make proteins because you don't want nice We don't need to be spending that energy right now. Some people suggest that that stalling of protein synthesis is triggered by the fact that you're not eating. And so the starvation triggers that to say like, we don't have the raw materials to make more proteins right now. Just shut it down. We
0: don't have the raw
1: materials. Stop it down. Shut it down.
0: Shut it down.
1: (laughs) Other transcriptional programs that are changed, obviously, like I said, with the urea recycling, the response of your body to insulin So like insulin is something that is generally released once your blood sugar is high and it gets you to import nutrients out of the bloodstream and into your cells. Those genes are generally reduced while you're hibernating. Muscle protein degradation processes that would normally lead to atrophy, those proteins are downregulated too. So you don't wake up with like no muscles. Muscle mass. Yeah. So you can still walk. Yes. Otherwise it doesn't do you a lot of good to hibernate't yeah. go anywhere. but you also you see an upregulation of proteins involved in muscle protein synthesis so basically just kind of keep those present I mean because that is important for after you stop hibernating. Other proteins that are altered in their expression are cold induced you know RNA binding proteins or whatever. so it's things that are actually triggered by the cold. So we've talked in previous episodes like our cat episode where we talked about heat sensitive genes. Like with the color point cats, there are cold sensitive genes as well. And these are triggered by cold as a stressor. And then also there's genes that are associated with ketogenesis, you know, using ketones for energy, selective autophagy, which means being able to break down cells you're not using anymore and consume those for energy. So yeah, there's a lot of ways that the body adapts to being able to know like self-cannibalism. Autophagy is, yes. That's what the word literally means. Auto meaning self and phagy meaning eating. So it's cells it self-eating. <laughs> yeah, that's, okay. Yeah, that's literally what it means. Yeah. All right. Um, and, <laughs> and, and, and so for a lot of animals, the need to go into hibernation and start these processes, for some of them, it is triggered by a lack of food. Because, you know, a lot of these processes are involved in how to deal with not having food input. But for other animals, obviously, it can be triggered by temperature or the length of daylight, photo period, they call it. And this is actually pretty common, though. So, like, a lot of things that we think of as hibernating, like bears, don't actually hibernate. But there are mammals that do actually hibernate. There's only one Bird that actually hibernates I saw, which is called a poor will. You know, like we've heard the the whippoorwill, but this one's just the poor will. It can hibernate pretty well. There are a lot of ground squirrels and woodchucks. There are frogs. There are turtles. When when reptiles hibernate, it's actually called brumination because like a lot of hibernation is designed to lower your body temperature, but in a way that you can bring it back up later. And that's like a whole set of cellular programming that reptiles don't have because they're cold blooded and they couldn't be able to affect their body temperature anyway. So. Well, you saw what the alligators were doing. Yeah. I mean, and I saw that as a news story. Their like nose pe- up, and be like- But pe- I mean, alligators always do that in places that freeze over they stick their noses up with the intention of being frozen in the lake so that their nose is frozen outside so they can breathe. I'll, I'll, I saw the news story and people were like, what? But I'm like, yeah, alligators always hibernate that way. Yeah, Erica, the rest of us don't know that. I realized that. <laughs> yesterday, the rest of us aren't aware that this happens. <laughs> we don't know that. I was like, oh my God, that's terrifying. And even some of the weird mammals, like, you know, egg laying mammals, marsupials, things like that. There are even some of those that, that hibernate. And then I actually did want to say there is a version of hibernation that happens in the summer when it's too hot. And that's called estivation. It's the uh, processes are pretty much the same. It's still hibernation technically, but it's called estivation because it's triggered by being hot. It's weird. I do not go into estivation. Nah, we can handle the, the heat usually. Yeah. I like the heat.
0: I'm ready for it to come back.
1: Yes, I know. But I mean, those are kind of I think the the facts that I had, oh, I did want to say that there are two species of primates that hibernate. I didn't look up which ones, but the fact that some spe- some primates hibernate encourages some scientists to say like, well, someday we can figure out how to have humans hibernate, which is often brought up in the context of space travel. And like, we would need to be able to put astronauts into stasis for long-term space travel.
0: Yes. That's how, like, that's how all these, like, good sci-fi movies happen. We have to figure out how to put us into, like, sleep mode for a little bit first.
1: Yes. Otherwise, the movies would be incredibly boring. It's just a lot of empty space out there. Yep. Like, our great, 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 great grandchildren would finally be able to set foot somewhere else. Yeah. I'll look that up. And hibernation can happen all over, especially because warm weather hibernation does actually exist. It's not just at... Good. Oh, it's a pygmy slow loris and um cool. lemurs there are three species of lemurs that hibernate slow lorises are really cute <laughs> i know they're absolutely
0: adorable i highly encourage everyone to look them up they Their are so, so cute
1: geek. yeah they are so like disproportionate but yes okay so i just thought oh. i'd help you out okay. that's what hibernates so we're talking smaller old world monkeys is what we're talking about as far as primates yeah. go so which yeah. would make sense something like a gorilla that would be hard to do yeah, it'd have the same problem as bears do, where you just can't bears, yeah, effectively lose the body heat in a uniform fashion to get it down to like freezing, which again, yeah, you have to have, sense. you have to have special antifreeze saline blood to not die. You gotta die. be frogs, which are terrifying creatures. Frogs are so scary. No, I like frogs. I like, I like frogs. Too. Yeah, they're
0: also scary. You can like them, but it's like frogs are the sort of thing where it's like, I made myself brightly colored so you would dare to take a bite so I could just ruin your life.
1: We should do an episode on frogs because poisonous star frogs are awesome. Pebble frogs are cool. The ones, the bone claw frogs that are like Wolverine, that like will literally break their own fingers so they can bone punch whatever's trying to eat them. Like they're cool frogs out there, man. Uh, (laughs) Katie looks horrified. (laughs) (laughs) What? Oh my God.
0: Okay. Yeah. We can do a frog episode. I'm actually very pro frog episode. I've never heard of bone
1: crunch frogs. (laughs) What? I don't know their actual name, but they give themselves bone claws <laughs> by breaking their own little hands so that the bones will stick out of their knuckles, and they that's can like, literally so metal. It. I can't even it's, like it's what? straight Wolverine. It's pretty awesome. <sighs> uh, but, like I'm gonna break my own hand so I can mess you up. Yep, it's cool.
0: <sighs> oh my god. Okay, that's terrifying.
1: Okay, back to being cold. We'll get to frogs next time. That is horrifying. All right. <laughs> Well, I mean, I think the last point I was trying to make is that it's not just cold. I mean, a lot of, like you said, a lot of hibernation is triggered by cold and it's very specialized for that, but there are animals in the desert and rainforests, you know, that do also hibernate, although some of that is triggered by heat, which is the estimation that... I mentioned before. But it's it's kind of a widespread process. A lot of the investigations into these kinds of processes like I said are either trying to figure out he- how hibernation works so we can make humans do it for space travel or studies into brown adipose tissue and like how to get more white adipose tissue in humans to convert to brown adipose tissue so that we can alleviate the obesity problem that we have in first world countries like America because If the whole job of brown adipose tissue is just to spin its wheels and spend energy, that's a good way to use up calories is if you just decide to run hot for a bit. I'm like, well, I'll just like have a higher core body temperature, but I'll be using that energy. And so that it's being investigated as a way to alleviate obesity. So that's where a lot of this is directed. Heck Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. I like that. All right.
0: So, Yeah. Okay, Erica, so I feel a little bit more knowledgeable about cold stuff. I'm not quite as, like, salty and angry about the way that people are reacting to the South being cold. It's like, we don't handle
1: it. <laughs> you can still be a little mad because humans did get stuck with, like, the least effective version of staying warm, <laughs> which is shivering. But yeah, we do what we got, you know? Yeah, and we also, we have clothes. It's
0: just, and this is, like, I know people can't see me, but, like, the outfit I have on right now, these are Southern people clothes. Yeah, a tank sports top. bra and a very thin tank top. You can see through it. Yep. We don't wear heavier clothing. I don't own boots.
1: I'm wearing the same long sleeve t-shirt and sweatpants that I've worn for about three days now because I can't shower. So what's the point? And I know that's yeah. gross, but that's where I am right now. I can't do laundry and I can't shower. Survi- I mean,
0: dude, you're in survival mode. You're doing the best you can. And the less clothing you wear, the less laundry you have to do.
1: Exactly. Yes, I'm like, well, so I've just been yeah. the last week in pajamas, but you know, a, no one's seeing me because I can't go anywhere, and B, I can't do laundry. So, yeah.
0: Good night. Okay. Well, I think that's a good way to like spring over into our like mental health minute. I'm definitely going to let you take the lead on this one because like <laughs> uh, mine, I'm. I'll, I'll tell you what, I will take it back. I'll do mine very go quickly. Yeah. Mine has been realizing um, I have been in a state of gratitude lately because New Orleans. While I normally complain when we get under 60 degree weather, we missed all of the snowpocalypse, right? Yep. We got to 30 degrees here and we were all really angry about it and like bitter, but I didn't have to deal with any of that. So my focus this week has really been sitting in gratitude, um, especially because I work with the homeless population in New Orleans. And we haven't had any deaths uh, due to weather, which has been oh, really good. good.
1: Yeah, we've had. So
0: um, so yeah, my my mental health this minute is like, I'm never a big fan of like comparing yourself to other people because no one wins in, in like misery Olympics, everybody loses. But if you are in a place where you're able to find some gratitude, um, sit in it because like, you know, that can bring, it definitely brought me to a better mental place where I was like, oh, it's 30 degrees, but it's not snowing. <laughs>
1: so yeah. I've got that going for me at least. All right, so go ahead, take it away. Well, that I mean, that's a really good point. That was kind of my one of my big realizations over this past week was that I love long showers. And like literally my favorite thing to do to relax is just to lay down in the shower and just have the shower on and just like stick my legs up into it. And I'm just laying in the bottom, like laying, I'm laying in the tub, but my tub doesn't hold water. So I'm just laying in the shower. And I, I love that, but then I realized that I can effectively clean myself with one chili pots worth of water and felt like I mean I I have a lot of privilege to be able to enjoy warm showers whenever I feel like it and that's just kind of pointed out to me that I am really grateful for those opportunities when they do present themselves because I could easily get by with a lot less you know also I mean Unfortunately, my my actual mental health minute that I thought about isn't very original, but it's definitely, again, relevant, you know, as everyone's been struggling with, you know, staying inside and reduced activities for the pandemic that got intensified by several fold this week as the entire state with or top half of this state and most of Texas and all that jazz has been completely shut down. You can't hardly step outside your door without fault and hurting yourself, no deliveries and no ability to go to work whatsoever. So, And a lot of people didn't have internet to be able to work remotely. So it became another time of accepting that, yes, you feel like you should go to work, but this is not your fault. You're not a bad person because you didn't feel like trying to drive through the snow and the slush in order to go to work so just do it you're you're doing what you can you know do what you can but don't have unreasonable expectations of yourself because that's just going to beat yourself up for no reason and so kind of like katie always says remember to give yourself grace and get through the trials on their time and on your time so that's it i love that that's a good one oh give yourself so much
0: grace and this this is not your fault it is not your fault that the or like universe opened and just dumped ice on you this is not yes. you did not do this,
1: unless this literally is called an secretly act of storm yes.
0: <laughs> yes unless someone is secretly storm and causing this to happen and then we need to have a conversation and maybe this is your fault but besides that <laughs> this is not your fault so i love that yes. so yeah. anyway if you want to have see a picture of erica um attempting to bathe herself in a chili pod do you still have that <laughs> picture yeah i still have it i definitely feel like that should be posted because that was really funny to me um don't uh, feel free to hit us up on
1: Gmail at southernsciencechicks at gmail.com. Or you can hit us up on our social media, which is Southern Science Chicks on both Facebook and Instagram. And I feel like I've been posting there more to the Facebook, but I need to stop neglecting the Instagram. So uh, that's, I'll post there. Because the
0: Insta's where it's
1: at. Hey,
0: Insta's where it's
1: at. And we forgot to do this. We are Southern Science.
0: So we can uh, we, we can actually oh. log out. Can we log out saying it this time? Oh, I am didn't... Katie. And no. <laughs> But that's okay because we're just gonna put it at the end of the episode because yes. this week is backwards.
1: Yes. <laughs> yep.
0: Yeah. So uh, my name is Katie.
1: Obviously not a scientist. <laughs> I'm Erica. I'm a scientist. And this has and this been has been the science. science. Hey. Anyway. Yay. Bye everybody. <laughs> See you next week. Do you ever care? The friends we knew that